sing it now too? I just sense like, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, we bring heaviness sometimes. You know, we bring stuff. And um, I just want to give us the opportunity to lay that stuff down and give it to the Lord. And this morning we were, I don't know, earlier, you know, we're in the room over there praying and I hear these guys practicing this song and I haven't heard it in a long time, to be truthful. It's kind of an oldie. But uh, every time I hear it, <clears throat> I don't know what it does, but it, I, my heart jumps inside my chest. It's, this is my prayer. You know, Lord, I draw me close to you. I don't ever let me go, Lord. I don't, I mean, I lost my religion a long time ago. And uh, when I discovered that Jesus wanted to be my friend, you know, and I was like, um, and uh, now the only thing I really want is to be able to uh, enjoy his friendship um, everywhere I go, you know, like Jesus isn't just for church on Sunday mornings, you know, I want to enjoy his friendship everywhere I go. And so... I don't know, I just sense that we're not quite ready for a sermon yet. We need to press in a little bit further. And uh, actually, yeah, here's this, yep. We get in danger of becoming comfortable with God. Um, Some of you, when you first started coming here, you know, you'd visited the first three, four weeks, whatever, and you cried every week. And you would say, I don't know why I just cry every time. We, What it is. And that's the presence of the Lord. That's what it is. But then you stop crying after a while. And it's not that there's magic in tears. You help me hear me what I'm saying, right? It's just you get, you get accustomed. Um, the word, the, the glory of God, the word glory means weight. And uh, when you first feel the glory of the Lord, you feel that weight. And some people, the reaction is to cry. Some people, they, you know, shake a little. Some people, they just sit in silence, stunned by the weight of the Lord. But then, you know, like all weights, you get used to, you know, you start to get used to carrying it. <clears throat> and then you, you forget that it's even there, right? And uh, the danger then, see, is to say, well... Is just to stay there and to not continue to press in. Friends, uh, if you want more of God, you've got to press past that and keep pursuing him. Um, God's an infinite God, so you and I have embarked on an infinite pursuit. It's not something that we do for a few weeks and then it's over, but I'm constantly, perpetually pursuing God. And I'm convinced that when I get to heaven... All of my questions will be answered, but I'm going to get a whole new set of questions because it's. I'm going to realize the questions I've had here on earth are they're they're rudimentary, you know. And then I get there, and I'm like, whoa! There's a lot more questions. <laughs> so I have. It's the, the the beauty is that God's infinite, and we get to pursue Him for all of eternity. That's the beauty of it. <clears throat> and so. Uh, 
You know, maybe you are in that spot where you've gotten a comfortable, you've grown accustomed to the presence of the Lord. And you'd say, you know, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I know. I know. The only way, the only solution I have for that is I get on my knees and I press in further. It's the only thing I know. So that's what I guess comes up for me when I hear this song. So could we just do that for just spend a few minutes here? I'm going to open up the altar here. If you want more of the Lord, you know, you're like, God, I'm hungry for more. Uh, then sing this song with me. And um, I'm going to invite you to actually stand again. I know, Elaine, you were gracious to let us sit, but we got to stand back up again. And uh, let's sing this song. And like I said, the altar here is open. Please join me if you would like. Or make an altar right at your seat. <clears throat> but let's just say, God, we want more of you. Lord, this is our desire. I want more of you, God. You're a big God. You're infinite God. And um, you blow my mind, Lord. <laughs> but then I get used to that, Lord. And, and I just want you to know, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry because I've gotten kind of used to you and uh, taking you for granted. And I don't want to do that, Lord. I, I want to fall in love with you all over again this morning. And I want, Lord, to know you in a fresh way this morning. And so, Lord, we invite you in this time just to come. And flood this place with your presence, Lord, because that's what we need. Let's sing it together, huh? Actually, let's not sing it, but let's make this a prayer. Let's, let's pray it. Draw me close, Lord. Yeah. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. Lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire No one else will do Cause nothing else could take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Bring me back to you
We want you, Lord, to be honored in our midst here today. Father, I want to love you the way that Jesus does. Lord, I know the greatest way to be just like Jesus is to love the Father. Father, I want to please you today. I want to please you in all that I do and all that I am. 
and in all that I think. Lord God, Lord, we're not interested in just playing games, but we really do want you, Lord. Lord, I can't do life without you, God, and nor do I want to do life without you, God. So, Lord, we're, we're here before you this morning, and we're asking for just a fresh uh, touch from yourself today. I know we, we need you, Lord. That's the greatest understatement ever. We need you. <clears throat> Boy, do we ever. So, Lord, I just pray today that uh, you would increase our hunger for you and our desire for you, Lord. I, uh, and uh, that you'd have your way with us today. And Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated now. <laughs> So this morning, we're going to go to uh, Mark chapter 4, and I'll invite you to look that up. First, I just want to say it's great to have Chris back. He, uh, he's been, Chris a new daddy, you know. He, and the dark rings under his eyes aren't even that deep. It's great. He slept eight hours. Hey, I don't know what you're feeding that kid, but it's good. That's great. <laughs> oh. And, um, you know, a couple things. So, the, you know, the men's retreat is coming up, right, in a couple of weekends and um, I think two weeks, right? So I was going to say, if, you know, guys, if you can't, I know some, some guys can't go for whatever reason. If you can't go, you know, it would be awesome if you would scholarship um, somebody because there are some guys that I think would love to go who maybe can't afford it. Or, of course, you could go. And then scholarship somebody so that now two of you can come. That'd be great too. But um, I really believe that we're on to something with this men's retreat that it's very timely. So the theme of being bold is uh, very timely. Um, <clears throat> and what God is doing is unprecedented really in our area. So the other night at uh, the Church of the Living God, we, we had this prayer gathering, you know, there. And um, it was just wonderful. I don't know how many churches were represented there, but a bunch. And it was really good. And I just can't help it. I just keep thinking. You and I are living in the answer to the prayers of people that have prayed for 60, 70 years. We're literally like getting to live out the answers to their prayers. And it's a deeply humbling thing for me, uh, to realize that I'm, I feel like I'm standing on their shoulders, you know, and these faithful saints, many of whom are probably with the Lord now, but they were praying for revival. They've been praying for God to touch Connecticut and, and it, it is happening in some pretty, uh, uh, unprecedented ways. And, uh, the fact that you have, uh, you know, churches gathering together to pray, I, that's really neat. 
that's happened, I know, for a long time, but I can only tell you that the relationship between those churches is something that's really special. You know, getting together for a prayer meeting, that's nice, but like the relationship that we have with them, with Church of the Living God, with the Church of the Nazarene, with Salvation Army, River of Life, and multiple churches in the area is really a very special God thing. And um, so I thank the Lord for that. Um, and thank you for praying for our servant team. Yesterday, our servant team met here to do some praying and planning, and we need to do some more. It was a great day, um, good start. But um, I was just thinking, you know, you guys are, you guys are really blessed uh, because uh, you have a team of men and women who are um, leading us, who are leading us on their knees. And um, I wish that you could have all um, been a fly on the wall yesterday morning as your servant team knelt here at this altar for the better part of the day yesterday to seek God for you. And um, that's just, it was a very, very good day. So thank you. Please continue to pray. And you'll hear more. Uh, we're preparing for our vision banquet coming up here in November next month. And uh, there's more to come on that, but... Just thank you for praying for us. Uh, this morning, I, so I, here's the, so most Sunday mornings, I get to open up God's word to you as I teach, right? But this morning, I really sense that God wants to open up you to his word. And so I'm excited about that. The Lord woke me up at 4.30 this morning, excited about that. And uh, two cups of coffee later, I'm ready to go. So, but <clears throat> I really do believe that. Um, you know, uh, the Bible says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the joints and marrow, right? To the soul and dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, Right? And I know some of us read that, and the question maybe in our minds is, well, if the Word of God is so sharp, why do I find it so dull? Why do so many people find it so dull? Um, very good question. Uh, perhaps part of the reason is the way that we approach God's Word in how we define it, how we look at it. I know in our attempts sometimes to understand God's Word, the, the Bible, we maybe have oversimplified it sometimes. Like I know some people that call it a rule book. You know, they think of it as a rule book. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't really warm the recesses of my heart. It's a rule book. Oh, boy, I can't wait to read that this morning, right? And then I know some people call it, well, they say it's a manual for life. And I, same kind of thing. I mean, how intimate are you with the other manuals? You know, do you just open up your glove compartment every morning and dig into the car owner's manual? Because I just can't wait to get inspired by that today. Whew! You know, well, no wonder it's boring. I don't like manuals. I read them on a, when I have to, I read one, right? And then some people, and I, and I God bless this one, I think it's nice like in, they're attempting to make it relationship-based, which I, I appreciate, but we call this God's love letter to us. And I think, okay, well, that's really sweet, but 
I'm just going to be honest. As a man, I don't relate to that. It's like God, God put together a chick flick, and now I got to live with this for all of eternity, you know? It's a love letter, and I, I know girls might get into that, but I don't, to be truthful. So, so I don't know. So that seems like that doesn't really do it either. So I wonder if maybe our approach to this book is, is maybe all wrong. What, what is this, you know, this thing, the Bible? And maybe if I just get a sense for what it really is, then maybe that might actually open me up to it and pique my interest in it and drive me to it. Does that make sense? You know, it's, uh, I, it's, part of it is this. I don't like being lied to. Do you? How many of you say, oh, I love getting lied to. Oh, I just wake up and live for it every day, right? And yet you and I know that we're lied to all the time, are we not? I mean, we live in a culture of mistrust. It, whether I mean, politicians, uh, leaders, people in authority, I mean, uh, we, we, we're constantly, you know, the media, we're constantly f- feel like we're getting lied to from one angle or another, right? Somebody's got an angle, it seems, on us all the time. And the truth is, I even lie to myself sometimes, right? So I really could use some truth, couldn't I? Couldn't you use a little bit of truth? Like, that'd be great to know actually what life is all about, what this thing is. Well, truth. Um, Truth. So God has revealed himself to us in two different ways. There's special revelation and there's general revelation. General revelation is how God has revealed himself to us in the world that he's made. You know, you just look around at creation, and Romans 1 tells us that, you know, the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities can be seen. You can learn a lot about the creator just by looking at what he's created, right? I mean, I can, if I never had a Bible, I could learn that the one who made all of this must be great, must be big, must be powerful, obviously creative, because he created and I look at all the funky little animals and things that he's made. And he, I mean, God really does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? The creator. You think, wow, how did he come up with that one, right? The duck-billed platypus. What a goofy-looking creature. And the Lord's, you know, he made that, right? And he's made bright-colored fish in the sea. And so you see this, he's a creator. There's a lot of things that you can learn about the creator just by his creation. But that's not nearly enough. Then there's special revelation. Special revelation is how God has revealed himself to us in his written word and specifically through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at God, right? So God, Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is, right? He's perfect theology. Hebrews chapter 1, it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, at many times, various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. That's special revelation. And uh, Jesus teaches us a lot more about God than just what you can observe in what he's made. Do you agree with that? All right? And the Bible teaches us more about God and his plan for our lives, his purpose and, and what he's doing, what, what his heart beats over. You get that in Scripture that you don't get just by looking at creation. So we put the two together, and you get a more complete 
revelation, right, of who God is. So that's revelation, but God is also speaking to us in two different ways. God speaks to us through his written word, and he speaks to us through his spoken word. The, the written word of God, the Bible word for that is the word logos. It's, it's what's been written. And the, the spoken word of God, the Bible word for that is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And so the first is the written word of God, the, the logos of God. We're told in Romans 15, 4, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So <clears throat> it's been written for us so that God can speak to us in the pages of scripture. But then there's the spoken word of God, the rhema of God. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that flows from the mouth of God. The word there is rhema. It's, a, it's an active, speaking, present tense voice. Some people hear God's voice in different ways. That's typically how God speaks to your personality in a lot of ways. It's, and it's, you know, God's not limited to just a one way of doing it, you know? Sometimes people hear God's voice through dreams. Sometimes people get, some people get visions. Some people hear an audible voice. Some people get sort of a little impression there. You know, it's all different ways. Sometimes it's through a sermon or through something that you're reading, or maybe it's through a conversation that you have with somebody. You know, we hear God's voice in a number of different ways, but the but ultimately, you need to know this, that God doesn't contradict himself. So God's not going to contradict what he's already written in speaking to you today. Does that make sense? So this really, the buck stops here, right here. This is my final authority. I don't have the luxury of making it up as I go along. I'm, I'm held to what God has written already. God's not like changing what he says and what he does. So God speaks to me through the written word. God speaks to me through his spoken word. God reveals himself through what he's made. God reveals himself through Jesus and what he's done and what he's written. The question is, how do I respond to it? How how do I receive it? Right? You see, you and I were created to receive. That's what we are. We're not initiators. God's the initiator. He's the great initiator. He spoke into nothing and made everything that is, right? He is the cause of it all. He's the initiator. You and I receive and respond. And how I receive really does determine whether or not I'm successful. Um, if If you take two kids, let's say, you know, we'd grab a couple of the kids out of the Sunday school back there and give them each a $10 bill. They've both received the same, right? They've received a $10 bill. One kid takes it, runs off to the candy store, sugar's up. 10 bucks is gone, right? Boy, they had a great time. The other kid takes the 10 bucks and goes and, let's say, uh, I don't know, buys two hamsters and 
starts raising hamsters and sells the babies and makes 20 bucks and then 30 bucks and 40 bucks and 50 bucks and right they both started with the same amount they received the same but the way that they responded to it what they did with what they received made a big difference didn't it and the and God is speaking you and I are we're always receiving I mean, God doesn't ever stop talking. He's a constant talker. He's constantly communicating with his creation. The question is, are you and I receiving what God is saying? And how am I receiving it? Jesus told a story in Mark chapter 4. And I want to read the story. It's um, a little bit long, but I think that um, we'll benefit from reading it. So we're going to read it. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 25. It says this, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen! Listen! Everybody listen! right? God's talking. Listen. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they didn't bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Remember, he starts off with listen, and then he ends his story with listen. You got ears to hear, hear. I think he wants us to hear something, don't you think? I think it sounds like there's a theme there. Verse 10. So when he was alone, <clears throat> the 12 and the others around him, they asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Let me just stop right there quick because I'm sure that bothers some of you. <clears throat> God loves treasure hunts. And, uh, you know, the, the secret of the kingdom of God, you know, Jesus wants you to dig it out. He wants you to do the hard work and get in there and dig out the gold. You know what I mean? It's like if you ever watched that show, you know, you've got all these gold digger shows uh, on Discovery Channel. Now the guys in Alaska and the guys are in the jungle, and right? And isn't it amazing? I mean, these guys are going against great odds, aren't they? And they get really excited at like a little thing thimble full of gold dust 
but they filtered through tons of dirt to get that little gold dust, right? And you say, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do that. That's, that's not my scene right there, right? You know what, though? The gold is there. Any one of us could do that, too. Hey, if you want to go to Alaska and live with the bears and dig in the dirt for the gold, you have right at it, just like they did. The same is true of truth. It's in God's word. He says, go ahead, dig it out. There's gold in those hills. It's for anyone willing to get out their shovel, so to speak, and start digging in. You notice something that Jesus tells this story. And remember, the crowd was so huge, right? Jesus had to get in a boat. I mean, they were literally pushing Jesus into the water. The crowd was so big. And who is it that actually asks for more details? The 12 and a few others around them. You see, do you, wanna, you ever ask, where's the other thousand people that were there here in the sermon that day? I guess that's all they heard. They heard enough, and they went away, and time's up, honey. We got to go. The game's on. You know, we're busy. But yet it was the 12 and a few others that stood around long enough to dig. Hey, Jesus, you got to tell us some more about that. What, what were you meaning with that parable? You follow that? That's what Jesus, that's the kind of heart that he's looking for in you and me, the kind of heart that isn't satisfied to go, I don't get this, and then move on, but the kind of heart that goes, I don't get this, I got to figure this out. And you dig, and you ask, and you study, and you pray, and you seek. God promises, if you seek me, you'll find me. If, do you know what the if is? He says, you'll seek me, and you'll find me, if you search for me with all your heart. That's an if. I've got to be willing to search with all my heart. So Jesus explains this to his guys. Verse 13, Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer, I don't know if I read that right. I'm hoping his tone of voice was different than mine just was. (laughs) But um, verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, no, you, you put it on its stand. See, the purpose of a lamp is to light the room, right? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Look at that. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And then here's that statement again. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. You see that? He hides things 
intending for them to be brought out in the open. God's putting you and me on a treasure hunt. Let's go, right? And then verse 24, consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So let me walk through this a little bit. So Jesus explains his parable. A parable is a story that Jesus told that makes a point, right? And the point is this. In this story, the farmer, the one throwing out the seed, is Jesus himself. He's the farmer. And remember, he's speaking to a huge crowd, right? And he's still speaking to you and I today. And he's casting out the seed. The seed is God's word. He's kind of throwing it out there. Everybody's hearing it, right? It's open for everyone. But there are four different people in the crowd receiving the same thing. Okay, you following it? And the first type of person is the hard soil, this person who resists God's word. It's the person that really doesn't want it to begin with. There are people who just don't want to hear it. One of my, one of my uh, more painful childhood memories, it, this is like group therapy, but uh, one of our huge, one of our huge, I mean, it was a colossal family fight. I was about 10 years old. My little sister was about five. And my, my little sister, Jennifer, she shared Jesus. She talked with Grandpa Birkins about Jesus. And my Grandpa Birkins cussed her out. Right? She's a five-year-old. He cusses out a five-year-old, right? Well, then my mother hears it. And uh, the, the mother bear came in, right? And it was quite a mess. All that to say, my grandfather was one of those people. Don't, I don't, he didn't want to hear it. Not interested. You could try. Didn't want it. And there are people like that. Maybe you're even here today. Maybe you're here, well, because, you know, my, my wife dragged me here. Or I'm here because my parents made me be here. Same kind of attitude, just sort of, eh, I don't have to have it. Resistant. And Jesus says, you know, that person, it really doesn't do any good. The good news is you don't have to worry about this affecting you because it's not going to, right? The second person here is the person who hears it, but they don't really apply it. They hear it in sort of a shallow way. You know, they, we take the Bible and we kind of water it down to bumper sticker statements, you know, God is good all the time, all the time God's good. And we throw out little statements, you know, we uh, tr- just trust God, and we, we kind of, they, they hear it, oh, that's good, but then don't apply it. And so as a result, it's very shallow, it doesn't, right, and then when trouble comes, it's gone. It really doesn't help that person in a time of trouble at all. And then the third kind of person is the person that hears it and applies it, but they don't really allow themselves to get changed by it. <clears throat> They're the thorny soil. The thorns grow up and choke it out. See, look at Jesus doesn't want to be your hobby. He wants to be your life, Right? And so if all I do is I take God's word 
and I, and I listen to it, and I, and I try to apply it, but I just simply add it into my already busy life, guess what happens? My already busy life chokes it out. And that happens all the time. Jesus is not just interested in just being added into your life like, okay, I need a little dose of Jesus because I'm having a hard time, so a little dose of Jesus, and now I'm all better. And then, no, it, that doesn't work. He doesn't want to just be um, your afterthought or your hobby. He, he really wants to be your life. He wants to direct it. He wants to be in charge of it, you know? We sing, Jesus, take the wheel. Forget that. I want him to have the whole car, really. That's what Jesus wants. And then the fourth person is this, the person who receives God's word, who applies God's word, who gets changed by God's word, who actually reorients their life by God's word, who they take God's word, they go, oh, that's how God wants me to manage my money? Okay, I'm going to do that. Start putting it into practice. Oh, this is how God wants me to manage my time? Okay, I can do that. Let's start putting that into practice. This is what, see what I mean? Now, my life is being changed, actually, by what God says. He's actually the God of my life. He's God, which means he has the ability to direct me as he sees fit. Follow? That person, Jesus says, that person produces a crop. Man, it just... God's word just explodes in their life and changes them, changes all those around them. It just produces fruit. You see the difference? So that comes down really, friends, to how we respond, how we receive God's word. Jesus made an interesting statement that I find in verse 24. It's interesting to me. Jesus said, consider carefully what you hear. Did that catch you odd? That caught me odd. I would think after all of that, Jesus would say, so be careful how you hear, right? Because, hey, I I don't want to be the rocky soil. I don't want to be the hard. I want to be the good soil. So consider how you hear, right? But that's not what he said. He said, consider carefully what you hear. What does that mean? Why would he say it that way? Consider what you hear. You know, um, what he means is you and I need a God filter on our ears so that what we hear, we hear through that God filter. I need, you know, we talk about seeing the world through the eyes of God, right? What about hearing the world through the ears of God? To have a filter on my ears so that I hear all of the noise around me filtered through what God says, right? It's uh, like my Foley food grinder. It's one of my favorite things at home, and it's from my grandmother. I inherited it. This thing is ancient, but it still works. You know what a Foley food grinder is? It's the coolest thing. It's got a little blade on it and a handle, and you spin it around. It's for making applesauce. My kids are spoiled. They don't, we don't, we don't do store-bought applesauce, and it's just too watery if you buy the stuff in the store. you got to make your own, you know? And I love making applesauce. Applesauce is one of the easiest things in the world to make. You literally chuck the whole thing in the pan. Worms, seeds, 
everything. Just chuck it all in there. And you cook it down, right? And you get it soft. Throw it in the Foley food grinder. You spin it around. And what that does is it filters out the junk. So the worms and the seeds and the core and all that stuff stays up. And then all you have underneath is good, delicious applesauce. You know what? I, I, God's word becomes a filter for my ears so that everything comes in and the junk gets filtered out. And what only comes in is what God's saying, right? That I hear the noise of the world through God's ears. And so Jesus says, consider carefully what you hear, because what I hear determines, really, whether or not I'm successful. Um, And you and I certainly know there's a lot of noise out there, (laughs) isn't there? A whole lot of noise. So how do I take God's word? Can I, how do I receive it? I just want to close and ask a few questions. And I didn't know else to, how to, uh, word this except just questions kind of to evaluate. How receptive am I to God's word? Um, I want to just plainly say this. Let me just say this. So some people call it a love letter. Eh. Some people call it a rule book. Mm. Other people call it a manual for life. Mm. Really what this is, friends, it's a revelation of the God of the universe. He has chosen to reveal himself in the pages of these work, of this book. So, do you want to know God? Do you want to know God? If you want to know God, God has revealed himself in this book. That's why, that's why we can fall in love with this thing. Because I fall in love with this because this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to me. Right here. Man, and I see all kinds of things about God in this book. It's amazing what you learn about him. So the question is, how receptive am I? The first question that I've got to ask myself is, do I even want God to speak? That's a very important question. God's not going to violate your will. He gave you a will, friend. And um, it's it's a pretty precious gift. God doesn't violate that. So do you even want to hear him speak? Maybe not. But if you do, the next question is this. Do you believe God's words for real? Like, is this legit? It's the second question. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's all from him. And I know people that, you know, and maybe this is you. People struggle with the legitimacy of the Bible, Right? If you struggle with the legitimacy of the Bible, then it certainly will remain a very um, aloof book to you. Because you say, you know, I, I don't know, I can't trust all of it. I mean, I, maybe I can trust 80% of it. But, you know, I mean, people did write this, so there's got to be some mistakes in it, some gaffes, some whatever, right? I mean, I don't know, I can't trust all of it. Friends, if Let me just address that quickly. Um, I don't know how to prove to you that it's 100% accurate. But I can tell you this. 
if you think that only 90% of it, let's say 90% of it is true and 10% of it's not, then who becomes the authority in your life? Who determines which is real and which isn't in this book? In essence, what you're saying is you are the authority of your life. Because who else are you going to trust, really, to, d to tell you which, is true, which, which part's true and which part isn't true? So you've just left yourself to your own kind of devices, and you've made yourself an authority. And let me ask, how's that working for you? I'm guessing that if you're like me, you'd go, well, yeah, I mean, left to my own devices, I'm like batting 300, you know? Well, that means seven out of ten decisions are completely wrong that I make. You follow? I don't know that I really want to bat 300 in life. I'd kind of like to bat 1,000, wouldn't you? I can tell you this. You have to start with a decision. And the decision is, I'm going to trust this as God's word. Period. And then I'm going to live my life on it. Um, I don't have the luxury, really, or the time to decide, you know, to decide what's true and what's not. I accept that this is what's true. And my life is founded upon it. You know, we've got great history because there are examples down, down through the years, the decades, the centuries of men and women who have lived true to God's word and whose lives have been blessed, right? So I can take it on pretty good authority that if I lived true to God's word, that it works. Does that make sense? Maybe I'm approaching it way too simply, but I think it's, uh, it's shaky ground if I start to question which is true and which isn't in God's word. Because then I make myself an authority, and I don't know, I don't think I'm authoritative enough, smart enough to be able to do that. Third question, then, do I believe that it's useful to me? 2 Timothy 3.17 says, All scriptures God breathed, and it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, and righteousness. It's useful so that the man of God, the woman of God, be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Is it useful? Absolutely it's useful. And then, do I plan to obey what God says? That's important. Why would God talk to me if I'm not interested in obeying? For many people, that's the reason why God stopped talking. You might, this might have been your experience. You say, you know, boy, when I first came to God, like, Man, he was talking to me all the time, and I was just learning and growing like a weed, and it was fantastic, and then I stopped. Like, I hit a wall, man, and I don't know what happened. And, and now, years later, I'm still at that wall. You know what's happened? I would be willing to guarantee it. That wall is the last time you obeyed God right there. God, God speaks to you as you obey him. And he gives, you, he gives you this truth, you obey it. He gives you this truth, you obey it. He gives you this truth, and you obey it. When I stop obeying, he stops speaking. It's pretty simple. Because he wants a living relationship, friends. He wants to guide you and I. He wants to walk with us, you know? So, and then third, next question, do I ask the Holy Spirit for help? You know, the Holy Spirit wrote this book, so I think he's qualified to help me understand it. What are you? And so one of the, 
I, can I tell you one of my habits? Each morning before I read God's word, get my cup of coffee, sit down by my, in my chair, get ready. One of my prayers is, Holy Spirit, would you please teach me? Spirit of God, you wrote this book, so I invite you now to teach me through this book. So Spirit of God, unlock it for me so that I can understand it. He's faithful to that prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. And then last question, do I look to connect with Jesus in his word? Jesus is on every page, practically, of this book. You know, God's intention, like I said, it's not just a rule book, although there are some rules. It's not just a manual, although certainly got a lot of great stuff to say about life, right? But there's one thing I know. Jesus desires to meet with me in his word. And if I, can, if I read the word looking to connect with Jesus in it, it takes on a whole new meaning. Um, and then one last piece, and that's this. We need each other in the process, friends. Uh, this really is where your life group comes in handy because you, you need, we need each other to help us to understand it. And I just find my heart, my, like my interest in God's word gets piqued as I talk with some of you. I'm like, man, how did you got that? You know, it really is amazing um, what I learned from you. And so in relationship with one another, we help each other to, to do that. And, you know, the more I understand it, the more I love it. And the more I love it, the more I want to understand it. It just kind of feeds itself over time. Hmm. So that's the word there. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the, the greatest thing that uh, could happen would be for you and I to really begin to get a thirst and a hunger for God and for God's word. Um, hunger... You know, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, in the natural realm. Um, well, hunger is hunger is a sign of health, isn't it? You know, if if you have a child and your child loses their appetite, you say, "Oh, what's wrong, honey? Something must be wrong." You check them for a fever. Something's got to be wrong if they've lost their appetite, because appetite, hunger, is a sign of health. And spiritually speaking. The same is true. If I have lost my hunger for the things of God, it means that something has gone wrong. It means that an illness has crept in. Some kind of virus has snuck in there and it's causing some trouble in my heart. And so your veracity for God's word, for more of God, your hunger for God, is actually a good thing. You know, I, if, you, if you're saying, man, I, I'm just never getting enough. It's like it's not enough. That's good. You're right on track. It's when you grow complacent and satisfied with where you are and you're not hungering for anything else and not hungering for anything more of God, 
that's when the problem has crept in. So I'm asking you this morning as we close, just how hungry are you? You know, um, how, how, how strong is your appetite for the Lord, for the things of God? And if you would like to have a greater appetite, then I would invite you this morning just simply to ask God for it. Lord, make me hungry. I want more of you, God. Or I want to want more. How about that? I at least want to want more. You know, make me hungry, God. Make me thirsty for more of you. Increase my appetite for the things of God, I pray. Lord, that is our prayer this morning. That's my prayer. I don't know, Lord, I... I pray that you would make us a hungry people, a people who are passionate, a people who are thirsty for more of you, a people who just can't ever seem to get enough. Lord, I pray that today. Would you increase our hunger? And Lord, I pray that this week as my friends dig into your word that Lord it would come alive to them that Holy Spirit you would interact with them and that you would make your word that you inspired that you wrote that you'd make it Holy Spirit come alive in our hearts this week Father thank you You know, right now as we have our heads bowed and we're in this time of prayer, I also feel I need to ask some of you. You know, if you've... Uh, you need to know that the God of the universe loves you very much. And he desires, he really does, to have... He wants to be your friend. He, he wants a relationship with you so badly that Jesus came and he died on this earth. He died on a cross in order to pay for your sins so that you could be made right with him. I mean, God really wants to be your friend. Yes, he's God. He is, and he will always be God, but he... In a sense, he wants to be more than that with you. He wants to be your friend. And um, I just want to, I feel like I need to invite you this morning, some of you, to begin a relationship with God today. I would invite you in the quietness of this moment to simply pray, Lord, I thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be your friend. And I accept. I invite you, God, to come and to be the Lord of my life today.
And you know, the Bible tells us that if you have, if that's your prayer, if that's your heart's desire, that God answers it. That's one prayer God answers every time. He wants very much to be in relationship with you. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, I really would like to talk with you or have one of our prayer team talk with you before we leave because we'd like to talk with you more about that and uh, help you to take the next steps. So thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time. And we pray your will be done here. In Jesus' name, amen.